Is there a sound more glorious than frying chicken? I don't think, I think I could probably hear that sound like from miles away. Yeah, like it would be I'm already. Things like, oh, somebody, what's that? <laughs> Somebody's frying chicken. Especially like in cast iron. Yes. There's something about that <clears throat> sound. Sounds perfect. It's, it's just the right crackle and pop of hot grease and chicken. So you are listening to It Still Lives, the Foxfire podcast, and today we are going to talk about wood stove cooking. So if you have not eaten lunch yet, I suggest you get ready to do so because this podcast is probably going to make you hungry for some fried chicken and cornbread. Absolutely. Prepare, <laughs> prepare your taste buds. We're your hosts, Cami Aarons and TJ Smith, and we are going to share with you four interviews today that talk about how to cook on a wood stove and the experience of cooking on a wood stove. My daddy's gone on, my grandpa's gone on, my great-grandpa's gone on, but you still live. You know, the, the spray is still here. Well, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me So we are releasing this podcast partially in preparation for um, the upcoming publication of our newly revised cookbook, which TJ just wrapped up. Um, it'll be coming out in September. So we kind of wanted to get some more information about wood stove cooking out there to get you all excited for that cookbook. Um, TJ worked really hard to revise the cookbook that was published in what, 1980? 1984 was the first publication. And I just aside, we all worked really hard because that was like, <laughs> Between you and Audrey and Amelia, and just like it was just a lot of work. Because um, I, you know, n none of us are chefs or food experts beyond the fact that we really like to eat. Yes, really, really like to eat. <laughs> this place, uh, yeah, we, we, especially like the whole staff at Foxfire, we're all big food fans, and there's always something being brought in by somebody, usually Cammy or uh, uh, Sharon Greist, our weaver. Um, but every, yeah, we, we do a lot of stuff around food Yeah, here. we decided that the Fox Fire Away is having pie for breakfast. Yes, and that's inspired by curator Barry Stiles, who <laughs> often does bring in pie for breakfast. So, but uh, yeah, the, the cookbook was originally done in uh, 1984. Uh, it, was a, it was a passion project um, uh, by Margie Bennett and uh, some of her students. Um, who just initially put together a, a special issue of the Foxfire magazine. And then from that, the interest in all the sort of people like just asking for more, uh, they decided to make it a book project. And they, they put that book out in 84, and then uh, University of North Carolina Press re-released it in 1992. And um, when we went to UNC Press to ask them about doing another cookbook or, or doing, you know, or actually, I, we wanted to, to do a new printing of this one. We wanted to get like a new cover and stuff. They were like, well, we kind of need to do a new book because it's been so long since mm -hmm. the material's been done. And so we decided to do a revision. And that's that's been uh, a really great project. Um, and we had some outside help too. We've been talking about it on, on Instagram and whatnot, but uh, Sean Brock, Chef Sean Brock, who is an Appalachian native, He's from Southern Virginia. He 
grew up and spent a lot of time as well in Tennessee. Uh, very, very, very influenced by his grandmother, Audrey, and her cooking and her heirloom garden. Um, he has since uh, also started the creation of a new restaurant in East Nashville that's solely focused on Southern Appalachian cuisine, which is amazing. So uh, Sean, um, he kind of reached out to us uh, a couple years back through uh, several conversations, uh, expressed interest in helping us do the revision on the cookbook and, and providing a foreword and giving us some insight into some things uh, as far as like how to organize it. And um, it turns out that that cookbook is like in his top three, uh, which was amazing to find out. This cookbook has had an influence on so many people and, and especially on somebody so revered uh, for his passion for not only just Southern Appalachian cuisine, but also like the, the whole culture around food in Southern Appalachia from growing to seed saving and then passing down recipes and uh, really just a, a food culture that's built around family and community in a really intentional way. And that's yeah. been awesome. Yeah, and I think our cookbook really stands out because in addition to your traditional recipes and people talking about how to make the recipes and their experiences with that, there's this like, you know, whole other layer of the stories that are shared in the cookbook. And really that's what we had to really filter through was right. how much can we actually share without overwhelming people. Um, but there are some really fantastic stories in there. And those some of those are gonna come out in the interviews that we're sharing today. And also in, in traditional Foxfire style too, there's a lot of instruction in this book beyond the recipes of making something. Um, if you're somebody who's interested in like, raising your own chickens or your, you know, your own meat, there's a lot of information in this cookbook about those processes with like detailed photography. <laughs> it's sometimes <laughs> a little too detailed, but um, it's a really great uh, text. And, and that defining uh, sort of Foxfire essence of it is, is in that instructional aspect of it. So. Yeah, and it makes me so happy that it still has relevance yes. today. I mean. <clears throat> Again, it's a wood stove cooking, it's um, using a smokehouse. All of that is still very relevant and people still wanna learn how to do these things, which is just fantastic. Yeah, I wanna add too, and it's the full spectrum of sort of like this, the, the evolution of cooking from like the late 19th century up through the modern era. So it's also just this great piece of preservation, sort of detailing and outlining sort of how things progressed from fireplace to wood stove to electric stove and so on and gas stove as well but um yeah it's a it's been a wonderful project i'm really really excited about <laughs> yeah me too released. i think it's one of my favorite foxfire books so yeah. i can't wait to see how it's received so anyway for those of you who like don't know much about wood stoves when we refer to wood stove cooking we're talking about um, cooking over a cast iron stove that has a box which is called a firebox in the lower, um, usually left hand side of the stove, where the fire is kept with really small sticks of wood. You have to keep them pretty small and you have to keep the fire fed pretty regularly mm -hmm. to get the heat. But usually adjacent to that is a small oven. And then on top you have um, these flat cast iron circles that act as lids over these holes in the surface of the stove. And those are called eyes. And those are kind of what we, you know, cook over today on a mm -hmm. normal stove. Um, they're just cast hot cast iron pieces that get heated by that fire. And, and your temperature regulation is 
based on the distance, like when you're cooking on the stove top, your, your heat regulation is like, where is the eye's position as it, as it relates to the firebox? So your firebox is on your left-hand side as you're facing the stove. Obviously the eyes on the left-hand side of the stove are going to be your hot eyes. So it kind of moves <clears throat> like a dot, like, like the same settings that are on your dial on your electric yeah. stove, but it's like high, medium, high, medium, <laughs> medium, low, low, and warm. So you, as you cook, you kind of move it's like, kind of like musical pans. It is. You're moving yeah. things across <laughs> the surface um, based on your heat needs for whatever it is you're cooking. It's a really dynamic process uh, that keeps you, like, you got to stay engaged with this thing. And I just want to, as an aside, this is not something we're just speaking about from, you know, from material that we've read, but we have a working wood cook stove on site here at Foxfire in our War Woman cabin that we just reopened last year. And we've been doing a lot of cooking on that stove yeah. and learning. From, it is a big learning curve. It is. And, <laughs> and thank God we have somebody like Sharon Stiles, who is the mother of our curator, Barry Stiles, who still has a really great um, sort of memory bank of using a wood cook stove and knows how to do it. And so Sharon was one of the first people to cook on that stove and came in and showed us how to do different things. Um, she made a mean pan of biscuits. The first set of biscuits that came out of that oven were phenomenal and perfect. Um, and then um, later on, she worked with some of our Foxfire students and taught them how to prepare a full meal on that wood cook stove. If oh you my gosh, it was amazing. Like, what all did we... We had fried chicken, fried okra, green beans, peach cobbler, biscuits, no, cornbread. Cornbread yeah. and biscuits? I think so. It was one of the two. <laughs> it was everything. I Yeah, it was. It, the, it fed 20 people, and it probably could have fed at least 30. And they did, uh, previous to that, sort of their warm-up, they did, like, uh, uh, skillet fried potatoes and onion. Oh, yeah. That was so oh, good. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> and Sharon's, like, directing. And, he, and the people that she, she would work with, two of our students, um, I think it was Allison and Willow. Yeah, 14 and 15-year-olds. Yeah, and they knocked it. it out of the park. They, they really did such a good it. job. Yeah, and so they actually interviewed her um, last summer as part of their learning process right. for the cook stove. And um, we're going to share some of those excerpts today yes. so that you can hear from Sharon herself. Um, because the other three interviews that we're sharing today were all conducted in the 1980s um, in preparation for the release of the cookbook. So it'll be um, interesting, hopefully, to you to see kind of the continuity between you know, these three women who were born in the 1890s versus Sharon, who was interviewed in 2018. Yeah. She was born in the 30s or 40s. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people in the mountains didn't have wood stoves, though, until the turn of the century. Right. So really not until after 1910 were they common, um, even though wood stoves became available probably, what was like the 1850s, I think. Yeah. It, it's earlier than we think especially in cities, but in rural areas, especially in the mountains where it's so isolated, it didn't really. Um... And you can, and what's kind of cool to go back and look at, there were these really great domestic manuals that were done in the middle of the 19th yeah. century. <laughs> and one of the best was Harriet Beecher and Catherine Beecher, mm -hmm. Harriet Beecher Stowe and Catherine Beecher's, I think an American woman's home mm -hmm. is what it was called. It, you know, it talks about sort of like all the different 
things that you need to know for like for the domestic space. You know, the the wood cook stove was a really new hot item. Yeah. Uh, that had you know been previously for the higher upper classes, but then was starting to be mass produced uh, thanks to industrialization. Uh, it was more accessible, and so you had these really great sections in those books about how yeah. to use and clean and maintain your wood cook stove. The intricacies go from the very simple, which is the sort of what Kami described earlier, where you just have, you know, the wood box and the, the eyes and the oven, to things that were like massive and had all these neat sort of like gadgets. Yeah, and you can see images of those, very <coughs> detailed drawings of them in yeah. old Sears Roebuck catalogs. Oh yes, which you've which... been <laughs> diving into hardcore. So if you haven't caught on, we're a little bit nerdy here, <laughs> but I love Sears Roebuck catalogs and yeah, the drawings in there are just incredible. But most people in the mountains had really simple wood cook stoves. Right. A lot of them had home comforts, which were produced by a company in, out of St. Louis. Um, and even though people in the mountains had access to Sears Roebuck catalogs, most people bought their stoves from traveling salesmen because they were cheaper. The ones in this year's Roback catalog, I think, ran between like $10 and $20 in like 1903. And in the ones that were coming through with salesmen were like $3. Three bucks. Um, which seems crazy to us now. You know, when we tell this to tour groups of school kids, yeah. they're always just like, I have $3, I could buy one. But it's, it's <clears throat> completely different because yeah. we're talking about a, a trade and barter economy and, a, you know, most people don't have fiat <laughs> right. currency. They don't have cash that they can hand over. Um, so it was, you know, really hard for them to scrape and save enough hard cash to be able to purchase a stove. And and I think too that the the traveling salesmen, they they have the miniatures. Did they bring miniatures of those? I know that we had miniature like potbelly stoves. Yeah, I'm I'm cu I was curious about that when you were saying that because you know like, you don't want to lug a Series Seven stove yeah. all over the mountain, yeah. but a lot of these traveling salesmen for big pieces like that would have like a miniature and they could like show them mm -hmm. but it would be a working miniature yeah <laughs> I, I think i've seen some before yeah. in like antique stores and stuff yeah, yeah. pretty amazing um the other thing that's really interesting is a lot of people that the foxfire students interviewed again in the 60s 70s and 80s who grew up cooking over fires or wood stoves really believed that it was healthier mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of suggestions as to why that might have been um, but one of the most interesting things to me was that a lot of them thought the cookware itself was healthier because it was iron. And they thought that if you cooked in iron cookware, you got iron, iron nutrients. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so people who were deficient in iron should cook with cast iron, um, which is kind of interesting. Well, and that was something that came up. Um, so in the first edition of the Foxfire Book of Appalachian Cookery, there's actually a sort of a, a side note, like where the previous uh, editors, I think it may have been Nora Garland who made that statement or somebody who made that statement, and the previous editors came back and said, you know, we don't know how much truth there is to this, but this was a belief. Well, there is truth to it. And actually the amount of iron that you can get from cooking in an iron skillet or a Dutch oven comes from the acidity of the food that you're cooking. So uh, foods higher in acidity actually release more iron from the skillet, whereas things that are more alkaline release less. But you do get iron content from cooking in iron cookware. So she was right. 
That's great. <laughs> yeah, they, and I'm and I went back and fixed that note in the book. I like you know said and now we know based on and I quoted yeah. something from that might have been from the USDA I think uh, it was at the government website that talked about the you know parts per million or whatever of uh, or percentages of iron that you can get based on the foods that you cook in your iron skillets. Yeah, so. I'm huge proponent of cast iron. Oh, me too. <laughs> I love. I just fried pork chops on what was that? Uh, I think Tuesday I made fried pork chops in, in our skillet. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I cook it in every chance I get. Yep. I think my favorite thing about cast iron, though, is the way foods are layered in there. Like, when I honestly, when I first started cooking with cast iron, I was like, this is gross. I'm not washing it with soap. But now it's like this really, like, beautiful metaphor for me that all of these memories of food just get literally layered on top of each other. I am one of the weirdos. I'm I feel a like weird... stoves are the same. I'm one of those weirdos who smells his skillet. Yeah. Like, I'll, like after I wash it and it dries, I like to stick my face in my skillet before I add, like, re-grease it and just smell. Yeah. I also have to make a confession. I used to grease my skillet with olive or vegetable oil because that's what I had. Hey. And but since I've moved to Georgia and in the mountains, I am now a proud owner of <laughs> my very own jar of bacon grease. a girl. <laughs> 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 yeah. And let me tell you, it makes my skillet shine every time. That's right. <clears throat> I have a little, uh, it, mine's a little plastic, uh, like a uh, uh, ramekin that I keep. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to keep all the bacon grease It in makes there. a difference. And I cook with that stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like wood, cast iron wood stoves are very similar to the skillet. Yes. Because you have to maintain them in a similar yeah. way. <clears throat> so these wood stoves that have been coming to us, you know, they have these old memories in them and it's so great to kind of layer on these new memories so. yes um anyway now that we're done waxing on poetically yeah. about <laughs> cast iron ode to cast iron um you know in the in the cookbook and i think this comes out in these audio clips as well but in the cookbook tj really got into this great piece about um the intention behind cooking on a wood stove and so i'm just gonna turn it over to him to kind of share that with us. Well, the, the point I was making about wood stove cooking is that you have to be present. Um, it's, it, is, it is a style of cooking or a method of cooking that demands your attention always. Um, cooking in general for me has always been sort of a meditative process and you have to be involved in it, but with, with wood cooking, it, it is a cooking style that is extremely intentional. You have to come, come to it with with the understanding that, that you're gonna be present for the next, you know, two hours, three hours. But it, it's, it, it's just something that demands your attention. And that's a good thing. I also think it requires you to release control. Yes. Because you cannot directly, I mean, you can, you can regulate it, but you can't control the heat and the time um, the way you can with an electric or gas stove. And I, for me, that's a big deal because mm -hmm. I like to be on top of things and, you know, but to be able to sit at a wood stove and just acknowledge that I'm not in control and that, you know, I'm working on this food as, you know, the natural process of fire is going to heat it mm -hmm. <laughs> is a big change as well. And I think that yeah. increases the amount of um, presence that's required there. What's amazing is 
watching, like seeing my, somebody like myself, who's a person who doesn't have experience with it, kind of fumble with it a bit, but then watching somebody like Sharon Styles just deftly like know yeah. how this stuff is supposed to work. It's a wonderful thing to watch <laughs> and observe. So now we'll stop talking about our love for food and cooking and let some of these women from our archive share their experiences with you guys. So the very first person um, that we're gonna feature is Addie Norton, who was um, affectionately referred to as Aunt Addie. Um, and she was actually a great aunt of one of the students. She's featured in um, the fall 1976 edition of the magazine, as well as books seven and 11 and the cookbook. Um, she was born in 1890 in Persimmon, which is a community here in Clayton, Georgia. Um, but she lived most of her adult life just over the border in North Carolina. So I hope you enjoy her interview and we'll share another one with you afterwards. I guess you like cooking on the wood stove, don't you? I really do. I, I don't like electric stuff. I'd burn up everything I tried to cook or <laughs> do something to it that wasn't right if I went to cooking on wood How do you stove. keep a wood stove from getting too hot? Well, you you just don't put in too much wood. Now, I can go in there and feel that thing just full of that oak wood, and it won't be too long until it'll be so hot it'll burn your biscuits before you get them in there almost. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't cook good. You know, yeah. I love a, just a moderate heat for biscuits and things like that that I cook on the inside. Or a cake, now you put in a cake, I get get the, it's got a little old gauge on it, and I can tell what the temperature is. I get it up to about 300 or 350. And when I put in my cake, sometimes near 400. And about 350 is usually the best way, best temperature. Yeah. And then I'll put my cake in, and then I'll put in one or two little uh, little sticks of wood every once in a while, just enough to keep it the same heat. Mm -hmm. And it'll cook a cake just as pretty as you please. It's a pleasure to me. Of course, I have to keep wood, but it's no higher than the, than the electricity. And so, after all, and it, I'm old. You know, I'm forgetful. That's one reason I didn't want one after I got older. Now, if I'd, they'd been electric schools when I was back young, I would have wanted one. But you see, if I let, if I put a fire in that and, and go out of the house, it's not going to get no hotter. It's going to get cooler. That's going to burn up, yeah. and it's not going to get it hurt nothing. But if I go out, happen to go out and leave the heat on, uh, the electric stove on, why, I'm liable to catch a house fire or something like that. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid to risk my own judgment about things like that. You know, when you get as old as I am, you get forgetful, honey. What kind of mistakes did you make when you first started cooking on the stove? I made lots of them, honey. What did you do? I, well, I tell you what, my, uh, me and my daddy went back home, back home to cook, to, to stay and to live, and I lived with my daddy. And uh, so I, he'd be gone of a day, and I wanted to learn to cook. Well, I'd hunt me up a recipe in a paper or something other, and I'd try it out. But you know what? <laughs> if it didn't do this right, I'd put it in the slot bucket and feed it to the hogs. <laughs> 
That's the way I learned to cook. <laughs> they can't say, oh. <laughs> if, my, if my daddy fell in, I'd have even whipped down out of it. But he didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, when it didn't turn out to my notion, I just put it in the slot bucket, you know, and went and said, we always had hogs, and I just don't feed it to the hogs. <laughs> Dad never knew it. <laughs> I guess he thought lots of times the sugar gets out awful quick. <laughs> But I really wanted to learn. I made lots of mistakes before I learned to cook. I sure did. I made a many of one. Anybody else knows it just has to do like I did come up from the, uh, just by myself and nobody to tell me how to do nothing, you know. Yeah. I just had to learn it. But it's, all I know about cooking, I got it myself. Nobody didn't learn, didn't teach me because I didn't have nobody to teach me. My mother was gone. Sometimes my aunts would come, maybe stay two or three days, and they'd show me sometimes little things, but uh, mostly I, it's, I'm self-made cook. <laughs> Can't do much now, though. Uh, and when did you start cooking on the wood stove? I cooked on a wood stove all my life, honey. I started cooking on a wood stove. Now, we didn't have a wood stove when I can remember, when I first remember. My mother cooked on a fireplace and an oven and uh, pans and things like that. She cooked on the fireplace. Did you ever see anybody cook on the fireplace? Uh-uh. You know, uh, I've uh, I've cooked on the fireplace a lot of times. I cooked on the fireplace after my mother died. We went back home and we didn't have a stove. But I can remember the first stove that we ever had. It was a little number seven, about so big, you know, a little bitty one. Yeah. And that's the first one we ever had. And I thought it was the wonderfulest thing to have a stove to cook on, not have to cook on the fireplace. <laughs> but now I commenced that when I was a child. See, my mother died when I was 13 years old, and, and between 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just absolutely never had anything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had to do. And I come back home with my daddy then, and after she died, in a year, we stayed away from home a year. I came back when I was between 14, 15 years old, went to cooking and doing everything for myself. And I had to learn a lot of things. You don't know what about what hard times is. Okay, so the next person we're going to feature is Lola Cannon, who was another one that was interviewed in 1980 for the cookbook. And Lola Cannon um, was born in 1894, so she's just a little bit younger than Addie. Um, And she was raised in the war woman community, which is, again, in another part of Clayton. Um, she is featured in book four. It's it's a really great chapter on her. It's, it's a personality article. But she talks about this um, fellowship in families. And so in addition to her sharing the recipes, she also talks about the impact that living in a one-room log cabin with a wood stove or a hearth had on the family and how they connected over food. And she has this really beautiful statement about 
how they would gather together after supper and sing and sit around the fire and they would each work on a task and the sense of fulfillment and community that they built together. Um, so it, it really kind of provides us really great lens to listening to some of the, these more detailed um, discussions on food and recipes. So I recommend picking up book four and reading that chapter if you um, are interested at all in Lola Cannon. But it, it did have a lot of disadvantages. Like, what would be but, some of them? Getting the wood in and stuff like that? Well, that was the problem in those days, uh, having the proper wood. The wood stoves were fine, and uh, we still think, we oldsters still think that the food had a, a better flavor than it does because it, uh, maybe, it maybe it's our idea, but we think that it had a better flavor. And uh, now the food is cooked quicker and with less heat over the stove, but I still prefer a wood stove uh, a good sized wood stove for candy. How can you get the temperature right to cook them though? Well, it would be hard now for you. It would be hard. But it wasn't for the cooks in those days. They learned to, to test it. My mother used to stick a piece of writing paper inside her stove and she could tell by the uh, time it browned, time it took to brown it whether it was ready for whatever type of cookies she wanted. For cornbread, of course, it took a little uh, hotter stove than for biscuit or, or cake. What would it do to that paper that she put in there? It, it will gradually brown and then it, it will burn. Mm -hmm. So that's too hot to, mm -hmm. to put your food in. Well, what would happen if you got stuff too hot? How would you cool it off? You mean if the stove got too hot? Well, there, there was always a damper adjustment to the stove, mm -hmm. which would cut down on it. And uh, as you learn to cook, you learn just how much draft to have to make your wood burn briskly and, and uh, bring up a good heat. Yeah. And if you wanted a slower, you cut down the draft and put in less wood. It's a, it's a sort of learn uh, as you go cooking, just as it is, just as you all learn. So this next interview is with Bessie Underwood. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have a lot of information about Bessie. And this is um, kind of ex an example of uh, some of the issues that we deal with with the archive because you know there were thousands of interviews conducted uh, over the years, some of them made their way into, you know, were translated into articles and then translated into, you know, into the magazine or the books. But but there are quite a few that that never um, never made it into a magazine or a book. And um, unfortunately, because of that, sometimes there wasn't enough information recorded about the individual for us to know everything we need to know about them. Um, and actually, this is something that Kaylee and I have talked about with, you know, upcoming future projects for Foxfire with books and whatnot that, you know, we have an opportunity to, you know, raise the visibility of some of these individuals who just have never appeared in a Foxfire book. And there's a remarkable number of those. So many. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's mentioned like in tandem with her husband right. or like, you know, they'll share a story from her, but 
there's no like biographical right information on her so but we did want to include this interview it's great yes. it's so great <laughs> um yeah she talks about burning herself <laughs> um and she she's one that actually talks about um, the cookware itself and mm -hmm. the difference that cooking an iron makes and then um like Addie, she shares some some great stories about her process of learning how to cook so did food taste better cooked on the wood stove? Well, most everybody says so. That and says that uh, cornbread is better. Of course, people today don't eat cornbread like when I was raised up. Yeah. They cornbread and uh, uh, biscuit was better baked in the wood stove. Do you think they are? Well, I like the cornbread and I liked uh, the green beans cooked on the wood stove. Especially, I don't know whether it is the wood stove or those iron pots and pans, you know. Yeah. They were thick and uh, just really good. Did you ever get burnt real bad cooking? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> really? <laughs> what happened? Tell us about it. Well, I uh, started to well, I guess it was my fault getting burned. I started to pick up a, a boiler that had a handle on it, and it turned and burned me all up my arm. Did you go to the doctor? No. Just banned Yeah. Uh, uh, I put uh, mayonnaise on it. Mayonnaise is awfully good to put on burns. Okay, uh, you know, when you're cooking on a wood stove, uh, how do you go about cooking something? What do you put in it, like you fried tomatoes or something? Well, you just put your skillet on and, and your seasoning, whatever you use to cook with, and you can tell when it's hot enough to put it in. Just cook it like any other cooking. Yeah. When did you start cooking? How old was you? Uh, about 16. Mama never would let us girls cook. She was afraid we'd waste something. Yeah. <laughs> Well, did you ever like, were you putting wood in the, in the wood stove and have like coals and stuff fall out and burn the floor? Uh, well, yes, I've had them fall out, but I always noticed it and didn't burn the floor. Yeah. But uh, it can very easily be done. Would it take it long to burn the floor? Well, no, not too long. You know, the, those hot coals will burn, uh, uh, hold pretty quick. What kind of wood would you use to start the fire in the wood stove? Pine or? You had to have pine splinters. Yeah. Or we have, years ago, uh, soaked corn cobs in kerosene oil and I uh, struck a match to them and they just burned, you know. When you first started learning how to cook, was it easy or hard? Well, I just, like everybody else, I guess I just had to learn, Dana. What did you burn? Don't ask me what I burned. Ask me how much I burned. <laughs> okay, and this last one is much more recent. Um, this is <laughs> this is the interview with Sharon Stiles that we mentioned um, previously. But Sharon is our curator, Barry Stiles' mother, and she comes up to Foxfire 
a couple times a year to use our wood stove. Um, and she graciously taught the students last year how to cook over the wood stove, but she also um, will come in and just make things and share them with us, which is fantastic. And she's usually here on our event days. And I mean, I'm, I'm just very thankful for Sharon because she, you know, she gave us a good overview of how to use this stove. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Sharon was a part of that. She was a part of the, whereas the previous interviews were part of the generation that went from fireplace to wood cook stove. Sharon was part of the generation that went from wood cook stove to electric and gas. Yeah. Cook. Yeah. And she actually shares, um, shares a story about when they've got their first gas stove, yes. which is pretty great. So yeah. yeah, but we're really happy to be able to continue this tradition and we're really grateful to have Sharon as a resource to help us do that. How did you learn how to cook? Who taught you how to cook? My grandmother. Uh, did she teach you like from when you were little or like was there a certain age? I, I just don't ever remember not sort of being around helping her so I don't think there was any um, like structure mm -hmm. to know but just watching her do what she did and sort of following her example. Is it harder to cook on a wood stove than an electric stove? Oh gosh yes. It is harder in a way because you, you can't regulate things as much. Um, as you saw, you have to make sure you keep turning the pan or your biscuit's gonna be burnt on one side and not brown on the other. So you don't necessarily, there are challenges on electric stove or, or gas stove, I have gas, but not the same as on a wood stove. What was it like to cook on a wood stove growing up? Well, because I didn't know anything different. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just what you did. It was hard for me when I had to learn to cook when we first, when my husband and I first got married, I think we had a gas stove and I was terrified of it because I thought it was gonna, I don't know, blow up or something probably. So then we had an electric stove and I thought, well, I think I like the gas stove better because at least it got hot faster mm -hmm. and um, it was easier to burn things it seems like on the electric stove. And I don't know why that is, but because it took longer to get hot and then you would forget about maybe stirring something or, uh, but there are challenges to all kinds of cooking, I guess, being able to watch what you're doing. Do you think it, food tastes better on the wood stove? I do. Than... I do. It tastes different when it's cooked on the wood stove. And I don't know why, uh, because the wood isn't going to come up through the pan and flavor it, but it just... Did you think chicken tasted different cooked on the wood stove than what you remember at your house? Yes. So, and the biscuits. And the biscuits too? Yeah. yeah. So it has, I don't know what the difference is, but food does taste better on the wood stove. Uh, what kind of oven did you have when you were, or the stove, what, what brand was it when you were growing up? It was, well, it was a little, it was a little black stove about this size mm -hmm. when my, the first one my grandmother had, it didn't have this on it. It was just a flat stove. It wasn't enamel like that, it was all black. And then um, coming through the community was someone selling stoves, what you would call a, a um, what did they call them, a drummer? Is that the right word? Someone who sells, there was a word for a person who, and I can't, I'm not sure of the I'm not sure of the right terminology, but he came through and just about every family, at least on Woolfork, bought one of those home comfort stoves. And it was a much bigger stove than this. Than uh, this one here? It was bigger than okay. this one. 
and it, on the side it had a little tank so you could have hot water. And it probably held two gallons. It wasn't oh. all that big, but at least you had hot water. I can remember my mother uh, taking some clabbered milk from the churn when my grandmother was going to churn, and she put it on the on the hot water heater, and she made cottage cheese some way. Oh. I don't really know what she did, but I guess it was the heat made the made the milk um, clabber and turn into cheese some way, and then she would. Um, when my, I'm sure my grandmother didn't want her to do it, but she would take a little bit of the cream off the top of the churn and put it on the cottage cheese. So it was really, it was very tasty. It was very, so, but I mean, I only remember her. She didn't always do that because when she was there, my grandmother might not have had the churn. It might not have been churn day. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one thing I remember about about the, the uh, stove. And I don't think we had, we didn't. We didn't have, a, I don't remember it have a warming, ours didn't, I don't think, have a warming oven above it. Uh, a lot of, there were different models, probably. All right, well, I don't know about you guys, but my stomach is literally grumbling. <laughs> Did you hear that? Did you hear that on the radio? I'm sorry if you hear it on the podcast, um, but I think it's about time that I go get some fried chicken and yep. some cornbread. Yes. And I hope you guys do the same and that you join us next time for our next episode. <laughs> I also want to remind everyone uh, to please go and check out our Twitter account. It's It still lives in the number one. We actually have had a few recommendations posted mm-hmm. to our, mm-hmm. we, we thank you for that. Uh, to those of you who are who are taking the time to do so and, and you, you are being heard. Um, but please, if you have suggestions or just want to tell us, hey, good job or follow us, uh, just check us out at It Still Lives One on Twitter. Uh, we're also, uh, you know, we ask that you follow Foxfire Org um, at on Instagram and Facebook, and, and visit our website at www.foxfire.org. And thank you, and we'll see you next time. All right, let's go eat. that you can throw it away. I like it. <laughs>